All right, Vince Quinn here with you on CBS Sports Radio. And one of the most interesting, fascinating, enjoyable teams, crazy teams to watch in the NFL is the Seattle Seahawks. And so joining us to talk about the Seahawks is Curtis Crabtree. He covers the team for Sports Radio KJR, and he's a contributor for ProFootballTalk.com. Curtis, welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, how's it going for you? I mean, what is it like to cover Seattle this year? How has that been? It's a kind of a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> because... You, you rarely know what the, the result of the game is going to be until the clock hits triple zeros. And it's all, you know, most of their games come right down to the wire. They have for many years now, kind of in general. But, yeah, to try to get a jump start on anything you're trying to write post-game, forget about it because you kind of got to wait for the game to be over before you know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, they make it uh, pretty, uh, pretty crazy most of the time. Well, yeah, and, like, from the outside, it's such a weird thing because the general understanding over the years with Seattle has been, okay, they're a running team, the defense is great, Russ makes a play here and there, and they go and win games. And and this year, I'm looking at it, I see the number one offense in football, I see the 30th-ranked defense in football. Like, what is going on with the Seahawks this year? How different is this team? Well, it, it, the defense of uh, the Legion of Boom era is uh, long in the rearview mirror at this point in time. They're just not that team in the, the approach that they're playing defense with the personnel they have on that side of the ball anymore. Um, and, you know, Russell Wilson, it's now fully his team where the offense is the side of the ball that's carrying everything. And, you know, the way that they're playing right now, they have one of the worst defenses, particularly pass defenses, that I can ever remember. They're on pace right now to allow almost a thousand more passing yards than any team has ever done before this season. Now, I mean, it's absurd, that number. is Now, they're not going to get there. They have to play the Giants, Jets, and Washington, Philadelphia down the stretch. Some teams that probably aren't going to be able to throw it all over the yard on them. But it's not going to erase a thousand-yard pace, I wouldn't assume. So they are, they are very poor against the pass defensively. Um, they haven't had much of a pass rush. They hope the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap can help spark that. And they did have seven sacks a week, week ago against Buffalo. Um, maybe that's you know kind of a, a little bit of a bellwether of, of some change on that front. But the defense overall is just they're they're giving up big plays left and right. The cornerback play has not been very good, uh, and they're hurt at that position now too. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's not the Legion of Boom. Richard Sherman, Brandon Browner, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, they are long gone at this point. Yeah, and and obviously we're talking with Curtis Crabtree, the Seahawks reporter for Sports Radio KJR and uh, contributor for ProFootballTalk.com. And Curtis, like you mentioned Jamal Adams for a second, and just like what I've seen on Jamal Adams is obviously it's this big blockbuster trade in the offseason, feels like a perfect fit. And then I, all I've heard is like not to say I've dug in on the numbers, but I just see like Pro Football Focus writing negative things about what he's done so far this year. Like where is Jamal Adams at this point? Tough to say because he's only really played like three and a half games, too, because uh, he had a hamstring injury or a groin injury, I should say, that kept him out for over a month. And so that obviously is going to throw a little bit of a wrench into the plans, too. So Seattle is a defense that in their, in their era with the Legion of Boom and such were pretty simple defense. They were going to come and line up about the same way every time, play their couple coverages that they did really, really well, rely on their great talent, sort of cover what was out there and kind of go that way. Now, with the fact that they don't have that kind of a pass rush anymore, no more Michael Bennett, no Cliff Averill, no Chris Clemens, etc. They're having to do more with pressure packages to try to affect the opposing quarterback. Otherwise, they're just going to sit back there all day, as you saw with Kyler Murray in the Arizona game. Um, and the downside of that is if you're bringing more people after the passing and less in coverage and when the quarterback play isn't as good, you end up getting burned that way too if you don't get home. And that's part of what's going on there. They've used Jamal to, to be a part of that pressure package because he is pretty good as a, as a blitzer and all of that. 
And in turn, when they haven't gotten home, it's left them vulnerable downfield, and they've gotten torn apart in that regard too. So um, Jamal, I don't think his coverage ability was ever the, the highest kind of viewed aspect of what he does anyway, but they're still trying to figure everything out. And it's not just one problem for Seattle's defense. It would be one thing if it was, but it's not. They've got several things that they need to fix. Like I said, the pass rush is a big issue. The cornerback plays struggling. Shaquille Griffin and Quentin Dunbar are both going to miss this game on Sunday against the Rams because of injuries. Um, and just getting another cornerback back in Ugo Amadi and, and Nico Thorpe's coming back from injury reserve too. So, I mean, they've had pieces swirling in and out left and right, and they don't. I don't think they really have a feel for what this group is yet. Okay, and and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, given the stability they had before and all the turnover at this point, yeah. So so looking at one of the guys that obviously, when it comes to the national scale of who's really shined, obviously one is Russell Wilson, MVP candidate, just looks amazing out there. But then the other guy's getting a lot of love right now, DK Metcalf, and for him to be a really polarizing project last year, uh, second round pick, I believe. Like, what is it that's made DK Metcalf so successful already with Seattle, where he's talked about as being the best receiver in the league in some circles? Well, it helps that he's six four and two twenty and can run a four three forty. I mean, that, that kind of brings some good talent to the table. And then you throw in the fact that this year he's just he's just that little bit more seasoned. Where last year at the start he was pretty much always going to line up at the X spot. You know, kind of kept him in that kind of box for a while as he got his feet wet. And well, now he can line up in any position that they want on offense. So that helps too. Um, you know, and then if they do have a cornerback kind of trail him like Patrick Peterson did against uh, in the Arizona game, well, Tyler Lockett's there, who is pretty good in his own right to kind of play off of him and, and go for 200 yards in that game. And I'm expecting Jalen Ramsey will probably do the same sort of thing with him this weekend and trail him around a pretty good amount. But um, he's just a terrific receiver. He works really hard at what he does. Um, he's got the work ethic of somebody who isn't 4'3", 220, and runs a 4'3". You know, he, he has the work ethic of a guy who's like 5'10", 180, and has to grind it. And so that, that helps, too. He and Russell Wilson got on the same page really quickly. He inherently trusts him, and uh, that's a big part of the reason why he's looking like one of the top couple receivers in the NFL. So the other news, by the way, this week, you get the news, Pete Carroll, four-year extension. And how do you feel about that? I, I, I mean, Pete has the ability to be the coach pretty much as long as he wants to be because he's winning every single year. I mean, they've, they've made the playoffs. I think it's in seven of his 10 seasons and in all, but one of those playoff trips, they've at least won a single game in the playoffs too. They've only gone, you know, one and out uh, one time. And that was against Dallas two years ago. So, you know, they're being successful in the postseason just about every year. Um, you know, they haven't got back to the Super Bowl or anything yet, but that's, that's you know, that's a tough mountain to climb. Only two teams get there, only one team wins it. There's a reason Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and all these other great quarterbacks only have one title of, uh, of their own as well, and it's because it's a tough hill to climb. And, you know, Pete has done a very, very good job with this franchise over 10 years. They're, they've been able to rebuild out of the little hole and kind of re- refresh their talent that they did have uh, needing to do here a couple years ago to where they have made it more offensive based and all of that and they've been able to win in multiple different ways and so i mean pete has not really not shown any signs of wanting to slow down from coaching maybe a couple years ago when he was dealing with michael bennett and richard sherman being a little bit pop off in, in the season that's the one time it felt like he was getting a little bit tired of the act but they bounced back and had a really nice couple seasons he seems as energized as ever and that's saying something for pete carroll so we're talking with Curtis Crabtree, who's a Seahawks reporter for Sports Radio KJR and a contributor to ProFootballTalk.com. And Curtis, I mean, you got a hell of a game this week, man. You, you've got Seahawks-Rams this week. And what do you expect uh, in that game? 
Well, I think it's a bad time for the Seahawks to be as banged up as they are at the positions that they are heading into this game against the Rams. Uh, you know, probably not going to be one you hear about on the Sunday pregames necessarily, but Seattle's going to be going into this game without their starting center, Ethan Posick. Um, he's going to miss this game due to a concussion. So they're having Kyle Fuller um, going to start that game Sunday, and he gets to deal with Aaron Donald, which is going to be a ton of fun for him, I'm sure. Um, so that's not the best matchup to have to deal with. Uh, top two running backs, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, are missing another game. So you know they probably have a chance to get back for the Thursday night game against Arizona, which is the other downside of this. Is you know anything that they're trying to get back right now has to turn around in five days for a Thursday nighter against Arizona next week. Um, so those guys are going to be out, too. And as I mentioned earlier, they're down two cornerbacks and Shaquille Griffin and Quentin Dunbar for this game as well, you know, facing Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And so I, I think it's just an, a bad time for Seattle to be catching this team. And they've already lost four of their last five to the Rams in general. So I, I think this, if Seattle gets this one, it's a very good win for Seattle because of the circumstances they're heading into. Russell Wilson can keep them in any game they play, and I expect them to do that here as well. But I just don't know if this is one that they can kind of band-aid together and get out of Los Angeles with a win away. So given that, being in a tough spot against the Rams here and the fact that they lost early in the season to the Cardinals and they're going to be coming up with, I would assume, a still fairly injured team against the Cardinals in a couple of days, like where do they stand in the NFC West? Who do you think is the biggest threat to them in the NFC West? How's that all shake out? Well, until the Rams beat them, it's got to be Arizona because they're the team that has the win over them. So, you know, when it comes down to tiebreakers and stuff, Arizona's going to hold that for the time being here. Um, you know, the Rams are certainly good enough to be a factor for them. The 49ers would have been if they hadn't gotten so dang injured all season. But um, this is a very good division. Every every game that they play within the division has got to be a little bit of a, at least with Arizona and Los Angeles. I mean, as you mentioned, the 49ers are kind of dug a hole for themselves. Um, those, those games are all going to be really interesting, really tough games, I think. They know each other pretty well. And they're going to be very pivotal because, this is a division that's played the NFC East. Most of the Rams' wins have come against the NFC East, which is terrible. And Seattle's going to get those teams later on, too. The, where they're going to separate is the games against each other. And uh, that's going to be the biggest part of the schedule the rest of the year for Seattle. They're facing a ton of them here. We had Arizona a couple weeks ago, uh, the Rams this weekend, Arizona in five days, as you mentioned, and then they get a couple right at the end of the season with the Rams and 49ers again. So, um it's going to be the division games that ultimately decide, you know, who's the best team in this division. And Seattle's catch, like I said, catching the Rams. It may be a bad time for that, and for them to lose their first, you know, two games against the guys they're going directly against in division could be a tough, uh, tough little uh, start to the the division slate here for them. Well, yeah. So good luck to you, uh, you personally, over the next couple of weeks as you write these stories for these games. <laughs> I hope it's not so crazy for you. Curtis Crabtree, Seahawks reporter for Sports Radio KJR, and contributor to ProFootballTalk.com. Curtis. Thanks so much, man. No problem.